Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome to Zombieland. Life is about more than just survival. We were a family. Dysfunctional, sure, but what family isn't? Merry Christmas! What would you like, little girl? I'd really like for you to stop calling me little girl. It felt so good to be on the move again. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Columbus. Madison. This is Tallahassee. Hey, Paul Blart. Is this your dad? Oh, whoopsie! 
I forgot the seatbelt rule. Oh, so she knows the rules? I told her just a few of them. 73, and are there more? You're cute. I like it. We did it again. It's the film board from the next reel on rashpixel.fm. We spoil movies. And this month, for the second month in a row, we've selected a sequel to a movie that we loved but didn't cover on the show. So we're effectively going to spoil two movies for the second time. <laughs> I think I, th- I think we've done this more times than that, but it's just remarkable that we keep uh, that we're doing it back to back here right now. So let's introduce our hosts right away. Say hello, zombie file, Pete Wright. It's time to nut up or shut up, everybody. <laughs> and welcome back, Horror Meister, Tommy Handsome. It's time to nut up or <laughs> shut up, everybody. <laughs> Again, with the double. And we, Special Three, would like to give a special welcome to a special guest host coming to us from the Nerd Critic Podcast. Uh, say hello, Jordan Peterson. I will say hello. And I will also confirm that my name is. Jordan Peterson, but not not that Jordan Peterson. So, oh yes, I totally will say that that guy. <laughs> you Crazy. can just call me Jordan, <laughs> nerd critic. <laughs> it's good to have you here with us on this one. Uh, Thank you. Can you tell us uh, more about yourself and then uh, all the goods you got over there on Nerd Critic? Sure. Um, so uh, you know my name and you know my podcast. It's Nerd Critic. Uh, the log line of Nerd Critic is that we do a deep dive into big movies from the dual perspective of critical nerdiness. So cool. the idea is that me and my co-host CJ really dig into, um, well, we try to do a the most popular movie, movie every week and we give it the full nerd treatment and the full critic treatment. Um, I bend toward the critic angle and my co-host bends toward the nerd angle, but we like to think <laughs> that we can moonlight as each other's roles as well. Anyway, it's a lot of fun. We have a blast. Um, he's, uh, he is very much the, uh, credentialed nerd <laughs> and I <laughs> pretend to be something of a credentialed critic, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't really know what that means in the modern era. <laughs> I think, I think it, that's anybody who thinks they're a critic. It can mean whatever now. you want it to mean. That's the beauty <laughs> Exactly. Of it. It's like calling yeah. yourself an artist. Right. I'm right. an artist. <laughs> exactly. I got the well, badge. So who likes zombies? <laughs> anybody? Zombies? Oh, my goodness. Zombies! Don't even start with me. This is a subgenre of horror that I can't get enough of. I know. That's why I introduced you as a zombie uh, file. And, you know, you just backed me up with a tagline uh, from the movie. Talk about what you think about mo- zombies in general. Well, I love zombies. I love zombies so much. I love the history of the, the cultural representation and resonance of zombies. Why do I like zombies so much, you guys? I don't get question. it. It is. It's bananas. Uh, but I, I really do. I love them. I love uh, uh, interpretations of them and reinterpretations of them. I'm a big fan of the 2004 Dawn of the Dead. When zombies started running, that was fantastic. More running. Running zombies. I like the running zombies. Uh, I um, and and so I have been celebrating, you know, a hundred years plus of of zombies in movies. And no matter what I say from this point going forward about Zombieland Double Tap, this movie meets a bar for me that is very <laughs> visceral. It's like the bar. It might. <laughs> Might not be a high bar, but the bar is there. And there are things in here that are enormously satisfying for the zombie lover in me. Then we get to talk about the movie. (laughs) Jordan, Jordan, do you have a particular zombie feeling about zombies? And I am. I am. uh, I am not a I wouldn't I would never I would not call myself a zombie file. In fact, I think that Zombieland um, represents uh, that and Shaun of the Dead. So you can kind of see where this is going. That, yeah. Those two movies sort of represent my uh, affection for zombie movies. Um, okay. 
And, uh, you know, if I had to pick a favorite zombie movie, Zombieland is an easy, like natural, no question pick. I like uh, it. Uh, but, you know, I think I need my zombies with a healthy dose of humor and other things. I think cool. I can't. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm okay with the 28 days later. I think it's fine. I think it's dated. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm more fascinated by the idea of zombies than I am by zombie movies themselves. Most of the time, Oh, Tommy, I introduced you as a horror meister, but do you have a particular feeling about zombie versions of horror? Yeah, do I, I'm not a huge classicist, so I don't have a lot of interest in like the Wolfman or Dracula's or things like that. Uh, zombies have become have sort of gotten into that area of I feel like we have passed running. We've kind of spread around as much as we can about them. So I don't have as much interest in it. Um, although Return of the Living Dead is one of my favorite horror movies, if you can call it a horror movie of all time. So that okay. movie, um, when we talk about running zombies, that was the first movie, I think, to bring running zombies mm -hmm. to the forefront. Um, and yeah, so I I guess I would uh, side with Jordan in that I'm looking for something more. And so humor or a satirical take or something is definitely appreciated. And also, I'd like to, real quick, I'd like to point out that I like Jordan's podcasting voice so much better than mine <laughs> that, for the, that for the rest of this i'm just going to be typing things out and jordan's going to be playing me because his voice is great and mine is grating so i okay go ahead well i mean i've talked about on the show before that i i don't really do horror but no. again similar to jordan these Zombieland movies make it watchable for me. It, you know, all the novelty and cruelty or cruelty, <laughs> <laughs> the cruelty. Yes. But I was meaning to talk about comedy uh, th this week. Of course, Zombieland Double Tap came out the sequel a uh, 10 years in uh, the making. It hit theaters and uh, a lot has changed for the cast, our core cast here. The, you know, Emma Stone, Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, Abigail Breslin, Woody Harrelson, uh, you know, Oscar they, winners, Oscar nominees that, you know, it was in the marketing. It was very funny stuff. But, uh, you know, a couple what I like to say, they aren't quite who they were or they weren't quite who they are <laughs> back in 2009. So I, I think it, it's kind of cool for us to jump in right away and get a head start on how we think the super group fared in this one. Well, Pete, dig into the movie a bit with your initial thoughts. Pete, why is this your most favorite movie? <laughs> Well, in zombie movies right now, you got to look for a movie that actually brings something that like elevates the oeuvre of, of the zombie movie, right? I mean, you you want to add something new to it. I think World War Z is a great example of a contemporary zombie movie that added something new by uh, giving us just that sort of massive swarm mentality. It's like a zoom out uh, to to see what happens when you apply particle physics to zombies. And and I I really enjoyed that. It's like something different. I think Zombieland, the first one, was something different. It was unique. I think, you know, you look at a movie like Warm Bodies, you know, it, it's bringing something different to to this, this thing. And I think Zombie was it was coming at it with a, a challenging perspective, right? How do you take something that was innovative and then elevate it and bring it to to just sort of new level? And I think it's really challenging, so much so that I think the movie did not succeed at it overall. It ends up being a retread of the the old moves in a way that does not add anything to the original, and instead it assumes heavily. That audiences coming to this movie were just hankering for more of the same 10 years ago. And I think so much has changed over the last 10 years, not only in the actors, as you mentioned, JJ, but in, in just contemporary expectations of the film. 
that that I don't think it it met that bar. And so it, it's I struggle with it because I feel like I might be a loner. Like movie is performing well. It's it's getting some solid reviews. Uh, to me, it, it's a meh movie at best as a follow up to Zombieland. It's a disappointment. Hmm. That's interesting. And you say you say it's uh, that they're hankering for more of the same movie or of a same kind more of, movie? of the same movie that they got in zombie. So Land. more of zombie. Yeah, more of zombie OK, Land. so that's the thought behind yeah. it. I think that's interesting. I don't, I don't know if it's interesting. It might not be. <laughs> Tommy, what did you think? I thought it was great. You did. Um, no, I thought what Pete said was great. <laughs> uh, this movie, I really liked the first Zombieland and I had such a visceral reaction to this movie that mm. I was wondering if I had just sort of like gotten up on the wrong side of the movie bed, you know, at times I'm a very big believer in what you're going into, how you're feeling uh, when you see a movie can really change how you feel about it. I think they made the same movie again. Yeah. And it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Something about it does not work anymore. It's like, I thought I wanted to see Zombieland again, and then they gave it to me, and I found this time it was shrill and desperate and incredibly easy. and insincere and weird and i really really didn't like this movie um wow. and i go into these movies with an open heart and open arms and i thought this movie was just i was ro like i was like a cartoon person who didn't like something i was like crossing my <laughs> arms and, like, rolling my eyes like inside i was like oh boy here we go again and i was like why am i so angry and i have to assume it was because some part of me was so looking forward to it and i was so disappointed by this movie that it seemed like they filmed it right after the first zombie land and then shelved it for 10 years. I feel like that's what yeah. they were going for. Then maybe that's not what I wanted. Yeah. Maybe things have changed enough in 10 years where I found it uh, singularly unimpressive and just grating. I had a really hmm. hard time with it. Wow. I know, okay, right? Well, you know, uh, Jordan, I, I hope I'm not putting you out on an island here because they were both pretty strong in their initial thoughts. What did you think when you saw... <laughs> The double tap. Everyone I'm be quiet. Jordan's about to start talking. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I honestly, I'm experiencing a lot of emotions right now. And, uh, and my first, my, the first thing that I want to say, this is very important to me, is that I really hate a bandwagon. I really hate it. I hate it so much. It's so, it's such a boring thing to have happen. And yet here I am reluctantly climbing onto a bandwagon. <laughs> um, I, I, um, you know, it's, it's, I feel like a movie, the enjoyment of a movie is really just, a, it's, it's like a, it's like a, a game. It's like the price is right. Like you try to set your expectations just high enough, but not go over. Um, okay. and, uh, like you know, and I think a lot of the time I feel like I don't have a lot of control over my expectations. Um, and sequels are really, really rough because, uh, because if you really loved first movie, then it's going to be uh, may maybe impossible, or at least impossible for somebody like me, who apparently just doesn't have any control over his emotions, um, to, <laughs> to, to, to lower my expectations in a safe way. Um, I saw the preview. I was unimpressed. My hopes remained high. And uh, I was really, really disappointed. Um, I feel like everything that Pete and Tommy said, you guys are pretty much right on. I, I will say, I, I didn't feel angry. Mm -hmm. I felt really disappointed and really tired a movie like this a movie that tired. behaves this way just makes me feel really really tired i left yeah. the theater just just totally drained of energy 
um, and feeling, you know, just sad and knowing, <laughs> knowing, generally speaking, what had happened in, in terms of like how a movie like this gets made um, and being just sort of saddened by the lack, the total lack of inspiration and wishing to heaven that people, the people who kind of scripted this movie and decided how to put it together had taken a lot more air with it. Um, and I just yeah. didn't feel like it was there. Yeah, that's okay. So that's interesting. Um, it, it, it's interesting that you guys, it sounds like you guys all really loved the first movie a lot. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. So that's, I, Oh my and, gosh. Yes. And the weird thing for me coming into this is of course, you know, I've already kind of, you know, conceded my ignorance to this genre and everything like this. But for me, that what got me excited about double tap was that I saw the trailer knowing absolutely nothing about the first movie. And, uh, and I saw the trailer and I actually got excited about it. And then I went back and watched the first zombie land and i thought it was good but i didn't think it was great and of course i'm not really into zombie movies you know comedy or not it wasn't a, a big deal to me and i this is gonna i am going to be kind of off the bandwagon on this and i hope that the way i describe uh the film to, to you guys as we go through this uh, doesn't sound too biased on the other side of the fence on this because i really liked it I thought it was really fun. Um, oh, good. I, I laughed out loud and comedy's super hard for me. Like I laughed out loud a lot of times in the movie. Um, I thought that uh, from, you know, we're going to get into specific things about the story and the, and the novelty and the things that are in there. But um, I felt like everything got paid off appropriately. They set things up and they came back and, and, and put it there. I wasn't necessarily surprised, but I didn't expect much from this movie. And that's why I wanted to start by talking about expectations because I didn't expect much and it I, I'm not gonna say that it 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 gave me much either. I just thought it was really fun. Um and I thought it was uh I I was impressed with it. Um both from a, a filmmaking perspective and uh and and from a story and all that put together. So I think we might have some good conversation about this. I'm not, I'm not going to make it too much of an argument because again, I'm kind of the the odd man out when it comes to these kinds of movies. But um but my opinion was definitely different than you guys. It's uh, it's in the top half of my flick chart, and we'll get to that a little oh, bit later, too. I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's great. So so let me first talk about sort of a quick synopsis of what we have here. And this is where I'm most worried <laughs> that my opinion of the movie might uh, might change the way that it comes off here. So tell me if I get too, uh, too uh, Pippi Longstocking about the way that this comes out here. <laughs> um, our merry band of zombie plague survivors is maturing and finding that they have new yearnings and desires as the world moves on. The zombies are evolving, and so are our characters their emotional dysfunctions lead them to abandon each other and meet up with other wacky holdouts across the country in a broken pilgrimage to find some normal humanity in the face of sheer apocalyptic terror they tackle daddy issues growing pains marital drama infidelity and many more terribly serious concepts with the raw and uncomfortable comedy you'd expect from time in Zombieland if you saw the first movie and it's all wrapped together in a search for better horizons and stronger connections uh, the group defines its own ideas of home. Now, I would after, love to see that movie. Now, after <laughs> that movie yeah, sounds right. great, it's it's so that is like so many words to say. Abigail Breslin wants to have sex, <laughs> which is a coming of age. Yeah. Little Miss Sunshine uh, oh, yeah. thing, right? Uh, but so anyway, so clearly I'm uh, a little bit rose colored in the way I describe that. So uh, tell like uh, attack some of that stuff. What is the stuff that I'm getting wrong? when I describe it with, you know, cotton candy and, 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 and unicorns here. 
I have a thing is they they sort of redid the first movie, which was partly the girls both go off on their own and the guys have to go chase them. They redid this and they pretty much the only thing keeping the plot going was characters making uninformed or kind of dumb choices. And then everyone has to go chase after them. That's a very frustrating watch for me because I don't like the motivation behind it or the motivation is just sort of like half figured out and stuff. And I just, so you wanted them to be smarter in movie two than they were in the movie one is what you're saying. Or at least as smart. I mean, I felt like this, this movie felt like um, we were, we had essentially drawn caricatures of the characters that we had, that we had met in the first movie who were really dynamic and interesting. And we were getting introduced to them and we, we were, they, they were, they were full, full dimensional characters. And in this movie, they were kind of like, well, if you were, if someone who was a fan of the movie was describing the characters, then we got that version. We got like the, the, the easy, the easy breakdown, like the cut, the cookie cutter, you know, cutouts of, of each character. And then they went through and did all the things that you would expect two dimensional characters to do uh, in a movie based on the first movie. So that's to me, that's kind of what, what emerged from this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious JJ about your uh, experience with the first movie. You said you just felt it was kind of like meh and I kind of want to fight you now. <laughs> well, it's 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 not that I felt it was meh, but again, it's not really for me. That's the piece, mm. right? Is that, I, you know, I thought it was enjoyable, but I was, I mean, this all this sort of thinness that is that is bothering you guys so much is kind of what I need in a movie like this to really enjoy my time there. Because otherwise, I mean, you noticed that there were some jump scares in the first one, right? There was some yeah. drama. Yeah. There's none of that yeah. in this one. No. Right? So, of course, I'm going to like it more. <laughs> you I, know? Well, I mean. I, I don't mean to jump on you there, JJ. No, but I, that's a, an interesting point. Because I think for when you when you look at it from the perspective of a horror movie, something that's able to give you that sense of threat uh, that sense of sort of constant, like heartbeat, drumbeat of of inevitable clash with this uh, uh, horrific potential outcome. Like this movie doesn't really offer that. Instead, we have this search for Little Rock. With while the gang is generally aimless, they're sort of lost in this search for emotional direction. I think you could say that about every one of these characters. They just sort of don't commit, which would be fine. That would be totally fine if I had any sense that the world itself was offering some sort of that ticking clock of resident evil threat to propel them. And instead, they just sort of wander. They yo-yo out, they yo-yo back, they end up in the Elvis and they do the dance and then they have the, they meet their twins. Very episodic. And they drift accidentally into the swarm, which is poorly set up and poorly sort of advocated for by the film of the A-team zombies and some hippies. And frankly... I kind of wanted the hippie village to be burned to the ground. Like I was so, ugh, I was so done from the <laughs> moment I saw the, I don't know what it said, Bonyville. There was a real opportunity huge. when they melted down all the guns. There was a real opportunity to see a lot of those people get like pretty, pretty gorily destroyed. Yes. <laughs> and if we didn't see anything, we didn't see anything. It's like this movie wasn't interested in being interesting. <laughs> I don't know. That 
I agree with you guys at that point, but it totally depends on what you find interesting. Because, like, it literally, the things that you guys are describing there, I do not enjoy seeing that in movies. We could have made this, you know, like Rise of the Planet of the Apes, but it's not that movie. And I don't think Zombieland ever intends to be that movie. But I think the first one well, did. I mean, it is. But, but it there is. Were, but did you feel that? But did you feel that there were yeah. stakes? That's what was missing for me. With with what what really. Uh, I love what Jordan said about the um, cookie cutter of the roles. It's like the fifth season of a sitcom where like everyone has just become their most cartoonish self. Woody Harrelson. God love him. I love Woody Harrelson. Harrelson. He's, he's almost embarrassing. I want natural born killers. Woody Harrelson in this movie movie. just strings him out there. Um, But then, and and doesn't the movie know that about itself? See, this is my point. I mean, like I hear what you guys are saying, but then it actually is pointing at that by bringing literally doppelgangers to the party and saying that these people are cookie cutters and then making fun of the fact that they are. If if, if you're right, if you're right, and that's what the intention was, then it to me that betrays a sort of deep cynicism and lack of respect for the people who actually really loved the first movie. Because that's not what the promise of the first movie is. Like, the first movie is delivering a really complex and wonderful thing. And the people who really loved it did not come to see uh, a bunch of winking gags. Like, they came to see a follow-up. Whatever that means. Do something interesting. And instead, what we got is kind of like a bunch of inside jokes, sort of. A um, bunch of if you skits, said, almost. Yep. Yeah, yeah. A bunch yep. of skits that said, hey, if you thought these were really dynamic characters, you're an idiot. Because they're not. Look, we can show you. We're going to demonstrate that repeatedly by making the goofy, cartoonish, overweight guy say group sex over and over and over again. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So many so little of the humor actually landed for me, too. And I think this I would be having a different conversation. I would be I would be contributing to this conversation very differently if the movie was legitimately funny most of the time. But I, I think that so much of the humor didn't land the word easy. Tommy, you used yep. at the top of the episode, like it, that is the perfect word for so many of the choices, including a lot of the comedic ones, like very little of the humor in here was fresh. Um, who didn't see the nut allergy coming and yep. who doesn't think that it was an incredibly cheap cheat to have it uh, play out the way that it did, like to, to make us think that he'd shot her. And then he says later that he shot above her head. It's just it does. It's so lazy. It's so lazy. And they, it, it's like it's begging for laughs and not getting any of them. And for for, you know, I don't feel alone here either, because I was in a theater full of people on opening night, uh, none of whom were laughing. Like there was just a few chuckles here and there. And like these are not people if you're going to the see Zombieland double tap on Friday night. You're you're going with that open heart. You're going generously. You're hoping to have a great time and to not get laughs from the audience. Like, it's not just me. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is not successful. And maybe the one thing that it was trying hardest to do. I had actually the opposite experience, but equally as <laughs> terrible in my theater. People were rolling. And <laughs> that is I worse. You're right. That's very, much have, worse. <laughs> do we have that? I think I brought it up on an earlier podcast. Is there like a German word like Freude, where if everyone is enjoying something more than you and you don't think that it's like it actually hurts your experience even more? I think Schadenfreude is if all those people wind up getting hurt afterward and you feel and really And you enjoyed it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. You yes. take joy in other people's pain. Like he was, Woody Harrelson was telling his like Elvis story, which oh. was just a part of the movie. And they were like, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, who are you people? Oh, right. <laughs> AMC.
And I remember <laughs> which theater I was in. AMC people. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with a lot of what Jordan was saying. Definitely. I, I, I want to bring up some specific points and get your feedback on these things. First of all, the, the legendary cameo in the first movie, which I think would paid off so very well, was was uh, Bill Murray. And I think that he's, his performance was super funny and and that just worked 100 percent for me. Um, and so we have two, I think, Murray-esque adaptations in this movie. The first is Bill Murray in the post credit scene. And so we'll talk about that uh, l- later. But we have him, they discuss him uh, by inventing the Murray. When, and and I thought uh, right. that is one example Murraying. that I laughed out loud in this in the yes. theater. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. The, the, I did laugh out loud. The other was, I think, the the adaptation of the film, which was to bring in uh, Luke Wilson and Thomas Middleditch uh, and to do the the twin thing. They don't. There were some really genuinely funny moments. There, there were yeah. some genuinely funny moments. They don't necessarily have the comedic stature, in my view, at this point to to kind of rally with the, what Bill Murray did for the first movie. But I, I felt no, like true. that episode of Zombieland was funny. And <laughs> and I think the I, the, the <laughs> fact that uh, that it, Luke Wilson and Woody Harrelson were not vibing, that they were had that competitive angle and that Thomas Middleditch and uh, yeah, what, what's his name, were actually uh, sort of comrades. Like they, they had that sort of mutual love love in right. society. I thought that was that was charming and pretty funny. And it lasted exactly as long as it needed to. Because that could have gotten super old. Uh, right. What do you think of those elements? Well, I loved them all. I mean, to me, they spoke to that sort of, uh, you know, again, that self-referential cookie cutter thing that we're talking about. I, I, I love the novelty sort of categories of giving them all the city names and how they played around with that. And I, and I liked Middleditch and Wilson when they came in. I agree with you that killing them off was great. Probably not for the same reason that you do, because you wanted them. <laughs> you you were going to get tired of the skit if it kept going. But for me, I just liked. I thought it was a a, a dynamic choice to bring them in as something that was going to be important, and then just kill them off so quickly. Them and with Madison, uh, played by Zoe, Deutsch. how are we pronouncing Deutsch. that? Deutsch. I really enjoyed all of them and Rosario Dawson, who can do no wrong in my world, even though she <laughs> was saddled with some pretty rough stuff in this yeah. movie. Um, one of the things that, I mean, the back effect was, I was like, oh, thank goodness, because I am I find our main character so grating. Yeah, now. right. Because yeah. if they become, like Jordan said, like more cookie cutter, Woody Harrelson was manic. Rosa, um, what's her name? Was like the ultimate cool girl. Emma Stone. Um, Breslin just wants to do a, like a weird drum circle. And Jesse Eisenberg was Eisenberg's all over the place. He was like, his eyebrows were in a completely different movie than the rest (laughs) of his face. And so, yeah, that, that was like, Oh fun. But then it made me feel bad also about the movie because it was like our heroes are the ones that I want to get away from. The fight itself. I felt so genuinely hurt for Rosario Dawson who spent that sequence running in circles around the Elvis hotel shooting yeah. not at anyone like that was it was <laughs> yeah. like comically poorly blocked and i felt like am i alone in this this is just like staged so badly you mean the one really long cut yeah. fight yeah i disagree with you the movie came to life for me in that that was like fun for me i thought that was really fun blocking and really fun camera moving in and out obviously it's faked as one long cut but i was like why 
all the other action was just close-ups of heads being shot. Yeah. It was so lazily blocked. And that, that I was like, why did all of the energy go into that one thing? I, I loved it personally. I thought that was exciting. It gave me too much of an opportunity, Tom, to think, where is everybody right now? Because these oh, two pairs sure. are off fighting one another, and yet we still have Rosario Dawson. There was this, a lot of just sort of like still loading a revolver. Right, which is just, yeah. it just was ridiculous. You say she's saddled with rough stuff. She's saddled with being the inane girl part, like in in what could have been a very cool sequence. And and I just, I, I think that was, that was a poorly conceived, great idea, mm. like great inspiration. I'm totally with you. Like there's a lot of energy to it and however you want to achieve the long cut uh it's still it was great but i just feel like it was a misuse of of utility characters so i I struggled with it i'm gonna say that i think that the only thing that really truly worked about that we'll call it i love i love calling it that episode of the movie (laughs) uh, because it was super episodic um was that uh was that scene between jesse eisenberg and thomas middleditch and I, i i think actually thomas middleditch is a is a just bona fide comedic genius. Yes, um, I'm a huge yep. fan of Silicon Valley, and I think he is just absolutely stunningly funny. Um, and he and Jesse Eisenberg, like that that scene was it was written perfectly, it was executed perfectly. Those actors knew exactly what they were doing. It was edited with like better. It was edited with better pacing than maybe any other scene in the movie. Um, and it was really really funny. I mean, I was in stitches during that scene. Um, Everything text else about that for me, just personally, yeah, the text again? of the titles oh, got in the yeah. way for me. That was too, I, I, there, it was a little much. They were doing great on their own. I didn't need these extra pyrotechnics. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's all right. I, I, I agree. I think it was a little much. I didn't, it didn't bother me very much because I really liked, I really loved how they were so strongly and forcefully juxtaposing commandments and rules and how it just, it was, it seemed busy, but in kind of like a delightful way, but that, that, but not really nothing else about that episode or or sequence worked for me the best thing that can happen if you're in a movie or or tv show uh these days some of these like you know premium tv shows that kind of like love to pull off these these cinematic you know stunts like daredevil and things like yeah check, check it out yeah daredevil's a great you know example i mean you know game of thrones did it a bunch of times like these really really long shots that are incredibly complex and hard to block and we love, you know, it's a feather in your cap as a filmmaker. Like, check out what I pulled off. The best case scenario is that the audience doesn't really notice except for the way that they feel. Mm-hmm. So you're right. getting through, you're in the middle of the scene and you're just thinking, oh my gosh, I feel such incredible connectedness and tension in the scene. And it's because they haven't cut. It's really amazing. And then if you go back and think about it, you're like, oh my gosh, they didn't cut. But you're not thinking about it in the moment. So in this movie, that that's happening. I'm like, oh, they're not cutting. I get it. They're trying to pull off a cool stunt. Oh. And it wasn't working at all. It just was like, I could just see right through. I could see, I could see the filmmakers sort of huh. patting themselves on the back for blocking out this cool scene. Like, this is going to be the amazing thing that everyone is amazed by. And I'm like, it's honestly, uh, it's not, it's poorly set up. It's poorly executed in some ways. And at the end of it, I don't, I mean, there aren't re- any real consequences here. The stakes are missing. So I really don't care what's going on. Like, I'll watch your neat blocked scene, but like, it's not going to do anything narratively. Hmm. So yeah, didn't really work for me. 
Yeah, and I I will say like I usually am am paying attention to that, and I didn't even notice it because I was sort of caught up in the scene. Um, I didn't. I and and I would say not necessarily in a positive way. I, I oh. the the fight for me wasn't wasn't as wonderful as it was for you, Tommy. And I think that probably it it it, it has to do with a, a lot about that setup because I'm am looking for those novelty things. You you mentioned the words. Uh, the, it being too much and the stuff there that's that's kind of the stuff that i that i like um and one of the things that i noticed is when they then they pulled out after they had that whole conversation with all the chirons and stuff like that that are coming over and the letters were broken up on the ground did you see that yes yeah so they and again i don't want to point too much at this thing of like them being self-referential about the cookie cutter nature of stuff because i the last thing i want to do in, is getting into a movie like sucking on purpose right cuz that debate i think we've had that debate <laughs> a lot of times on movies where they're like they're so bad that they're good but i think part of this like knowing about how how simple they want to be versus something that's great i think is 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 something that it either hits with you or that you see them pulling the strings like jordan's talking about here and like oh we want to do this cool thing surrounded by this thing that was really cheap and easy on the next part i mean it it all kind of comes down to whether you buy into what the filmmakers are trying to say for me i was comfortable with those things but i totally hear how you guys are not what did you think of madison jj uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> it's a good um, question. Yeah. So I, uh, from a comedic standpoint, uh, I liked when they took, when, so for example, let's talk about the, the binoculars bit, right? The, the binoculars bit, she doesn't know how to use the binoculars. She, uh, you know, does the big, small, little, tiny, you know, and this thing back and forth. I like how long they let her run with that. I think it was a risk that they t took with her. But for me, I, watching Madison the whole way through the story, I thought she was lying about the fact that she was an idiot. I thought that what I was thinking was banking on in the story is that she was actually intelligent and that this was an act. And that might be because I've seen Zoe Deutsch and other things. I don't know. Um, she turns out of to course, be very, very smart. In yeah, real life. right. And she's yeah. and she's got her own rules or something. You know, uh, you know, that's what I was thinking was going to happen with the character. So to answer your question more directly, Pete, I thought she was someone other than that she was. But I liked that they gave this new what some people might call like a, a guest character. I gave her, they gave her a lot to try and make happen huh. from a comedic standpoint. Um, and I don't think all the jokes hit, but I liked the fact that they went all the way with her. I thought she was a very lazily written character who the actor knocked it out of the park. Cool. Okay. I thought she was hysterical and I didn't like the character. Like I didn't like the character. I'm sorry. I, not that I didn't like the character. I didn't like the characterization. She's wearing a juicy. Are you sure this movie wasn't made 10 years ago? <laughs> this whole movie is so weirdly freeze dried. I guess, well, freeze dried. She wasn't a freezer. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I thought that, uh, yeah, it was it could have been so it was lazy, but she was, I thought, remarkable. I wanted her around kind of all the time, to be honest, because she was such a breath of fresh air and there were such easy ways to deliver those lines. And I feel like she really, she amped it up and turned them for me that I thought I was just, I was in love. With I liked her it. accent. I, yeah. The accent she brought to things. Yeah. I mean, it, it, whether that's her delivery or whatnot, I, I thought it was creative. And I like her turn sometimes of, Oh, 
when she would just sort of like shut it off and be like, oh, you guys are all jerks. Yes. Right there. Because I liked liked also because I didn't like our main cast anymore, as I've said ad nauseum. (laughs) I wanted someone to call them out on their BS. So I kind of like. Well, and I think that was that is an interesting point right there is this is that the the comedy for her is in the characterization first. And if you have the patience for it uh, and you, you like it, you don't exhaust yourself from it. It's very funny. She does an, a remarkable thing with it, and it's at its funniest when it becomes in conflict with a, a regular worldview. Like when she stops on mm. top of, uh, I keep saying, calling him Zuckerberg. That's this movie really <laughs> is an effective yeah. like sequel to the Social Network. If yeah. you think about it, um, <laughs> the uh, you know I, I, when she's sitting on top of him and and breaks character and says, "Shut up! I've been in a freezer for so long. If we're either gonna you're gonna either have sex with me or I'm gonna go do the old guy." Like that's a genuinely funny moment to me because we get that sense of character conflict. Like there's somebody else in there, right? And and I too though I feel like it's a missed opportunity oh, yeah, not to do more with her. Like I. I felt like leaving her on the side of the road, I think, was it was the easy way out. And once again, they they took the easiest turn that they could possibly take uh, around this. I, Jordan, I'm sorry. I meant to go to you first before I ranted. No, no, I I, I these I, I agree with you guys completely about her. I think um, but I mean, I for me, the most salient thing definitely was that uh, Zoe Zoe Deutsch really did feel like I mean, this is such a good example of of a really, really good actress elevating fairly mediocre material um, Mm -hmm. to a, to a degree that is kind of astonishing. Um, I also really, (laughs) I really love the, uh, the, I think it was, I think it was a, probably a miscast as well. I don't think Zoe, Zoe Deutsch was a good choice because like, uh, like you said, it's, it feels like she's lying the whole movie Um, because, because she doesn't fit. She doesn't fit that. Given the miscast, given the mediocre material, given the easy jokes and the caricature of her character, even though it was it was interesting in contrast, in and of itself, it was not interesting. Um, given all of that, it's remarkable that she was still like fun to watch hmm. and she still got a bunch of really good laughs. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's the thing. I think, uh, it, you know, her character was potentially dynamic and diverse because of the way that it was brought out. And I, I love that you bring up that scene. Uh, about her on on top of uh, you know Eisenberg in that in that role because that is the window to that character that we see as she's probably smarter than uh, we're giving her credit for and I think that's that's pretty fair there. Yeah. Pete, it, so you so you actually liked her. That's great. Um, it, you know, with the other actors in the film, I I don't know. I mean everybody's kind of made a point about Abigail Breslin already, uh, but she's, you know, it's her quest, right? I mean, she's the one that leads them and they're all following her. So what do we think about Little Rock? She didn't have much to do. She didn't. I just did. I, I, she just looked sad to me that she was in this movie the whole time. (laughs) I did not believe that she was present. Uh, not in the way that we had in the first movie. Well, in the character, right? She got a little turn at the end, but you notice that as they're walking away or driving away, uh, we've got two couples in her. She becomes, <laughs> she takes her turn to become the fifth wheel, right. which I think is is kind of odd because her if if her so quest weird. was the complicating incident of the film, that did not pay off. I, I made the they made the comment earlier that uh, that everything gets paid off, but as we're talking about that, that really didn't because she nope. has nothing when she. No. Leaves. So, because she I chose a tool. She, yeah. Well, 
Well, and I mean, you yeah. know, you made you actually I I don't remember who it was who made a joke about Little Miss Sunshine. Like, I would love yes. Olive Hooper to show up grown up in this movie. Like, that's a character that I would <laughs> right. love to show that up. And, yeah. uh, and, and so it's I just find it fascinating that we've had the experience of watching Abigail Breslin sort of grow up with us. And uh, I, I just I didn't see her show up or I should say I saw Abigail Breslin show up who was sort of shoehorned into to uh, the team again and a team that just didn't feel sort of cohesive. You say she sort of led the journey and I, I just, I don't, I did not feel that. I did not connect to that. Yeah. I connected with like, she was gone and they didn't have anything else to do. Like there's this very <laughs> so strange kind of paternal relationship between Woody Harrelson and her that they didn't really explore enough. I, I feel like they didn't. She wasn't there long enough to have that happen. Like no, they shoved it in in four minutes. Yeah. And then Jesse Eisenberg said they're chafing because of their relationship yeah. in voiceover. Right. It, again, it's oh, like voiceover. totally unearned <laughs> because they expect us like they expected that little like little bit to account for 10 years of their relationship that that we don't get to be a party to. And I think that's an assumption that was um, uh, unfair on the part of, of the team. I could boil down the missed opportunity of this movie into the into the most reductionist terms. I would say <laughs> that this movie seems like it wasn't interested at all in taking advantage of either the 10 years that have elapsed in real life and the 10 years that presumably have elapsed in the world that they built. Right. Because Abigail Breslin grew up. It's clearly been some time. You can cheat and say that Emma Watson hasn't aged, and Jesse Eisenberg hasn't aged, and Woody Harrelson hasn't aged, but you certainly can't cheat Abigail Breslin. <laughs> yeah, and so true. if you and so if you see if you come show up to this movie and you see an adult where once a child was, your natural assumption is, hey, a bunch of time has passed. <laughs> and yet this movie seems to have just outright refused to acknowledge that anything has happened in the last 10 years. Like yeah. anything. And I mean, I honestly, I would have taken, I would have taken anything, but they gave me nothing. They said, not only, I mean, it, it really does feel like they wrote this movie like right after they wrote the first one. That's what I was and saying! Then spent well, 10 so that, years... Now trying the, to get it made and they just weren't interested in in yeah so and, the interesting thing about that is that eisenberg has already done a, an interview that said that over the 10 years they've gone through lots and lots of scripts what yeah and because yeah. they and and now his and his whole his reasoning for that or the reasoning why it didn't happen so quickly is because that they were really looking for the right story now uh, you know without i think it's a lie that's what i was gonna I'm say without BS. that either either there were lots and lots and then they went back and selected the first one or it, like you're saying it's more just you know marketing promotion lore yeah. to talk that's about it that way. but if you it, regardless of what we believe in terms of that if if we talk about the episodic nature of this, we talk about, you know, not paying off the timing, these kind of things. Who do we set this really at the feet of? We have, you know, three different script credits on it for Dave Callahan, Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick. And then we have, you know, the direction with uh, Reuben Fleischer. Uh, you know, it, 
which hand did we feel was the strongest right to me right now it feels like the script you know because even the things that i liked in the different episodes of this wonderful tv show um that you guys that you guys didn't it, they still feel like script elements to me do, do you guys agree with that or do you think we should be calling out ruben a little well bit i i think it's a I, I think this movie is subject to uh extraordinary groupthink like th- this movie is just so yeah. improvisational uh, that I mean, sure. you just feel and these actors are genuinely talented improvisers. Right. So what they let filter into the movie that was not in the script, I'd be very interested to, to see the, the you know, a draft of the script compared to the shooting script. Like, I, I just feel like there, there have got to be some extraordinary differences. But there is a quote from uh, 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 this is from uh, Paul Wernick that I think exemplifies the thinking about this, it speaks specifically to Bill Murray, but it exemplifies the thinking okay. and the approach to the film. Quote, there is no world of Zombieland without Bill Murray. So we thought, how do you top a Bill Murray cameo in the first movie? You put him in the second one, which no. I think is straight up <laughs> like rubbish. That like that is the cheapest, <laughs> easiest, stupidest laugh. And I, you know, I totally respect these guys and what they do. It's so hard to make a movie but it, this one just felt like it was going for such an easy easy win and and uh and and i feel like it was as a result it's 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 talking down to me and and i think that's a result of just this collectivist yeah. sort of groupthink uh you know on set in the edit booth whatever they're doing it it just um, i i wouldn't even know where to begin to assign responsibility for some of this some of the stuff it looks like they all had a lot of fun. Yes. Yes. That's good. <laughs> Thank goodness. I'm so glad. That's not necessarily the best <laughs> recipe for a good movie, but it seems like they're all having a good yeah. time. Yeah. No, and it's I great. Like the and, idea yeah. of the improvisation versus the script, one of my favorite lines, I can't remember exactly what it was. No, that was good. You shot your alcohol, then you shot the zombie. <laughs> yeah. That's a great yeah. line. It's like a little lines, line. and it's very Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> yeah kind of line yep. he likes to break things down like that see and again i think so just to you know i'm i'm not going to change my rating for this movie based on this conversation but i would say to you guys like those kind of things i did laugh at and it depending on what you come to this movie for if you really did feel that depth in the first one and you are hoping for that thing to come back i can see why you wouldn't like stuff like that or or you maybe were even uh, maybe a little bit harder on 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 madison and some of the stuff that she did in the movie but i liked all that so i kind of was even even when their batting average wasn't you know they weren't batting a thousand on the jokes uh, the the one that were hitting for me made it made it so enjoyable to me that I kind of kept running with it. Fair enough. That's great. Did now the camera, uh, the camera operator, cinematographer on this, Chung Hoon Chung? It's the same cinematographer from Old Boy. Mm-hmm. What? Yes, yeah. that one. What? Where? What? Why? Yeah. What? And I will tell you, from a camera perspective, there is some really cool stuff in this movie. There it, is, but then uh, there's a lot of close-ups. Yeah, well, that but see, that sounds like direction to me. So the the, the thing that like there's this shot that I want to draw attention to because I you know I feel like my experience in motion control usually can allow me to see behind to see how this happened. Mm-hmm. But when they walk up to Babylon, yeah. and the, you get a shot that comes from the ground and then rises extremely quickly up about what we assume is like somewhere between 15 and 20 stories then goes up and then settles on the the top part of babylon i don't know something that can move that quickly that's that's mechanical so i think it has to have a computer element to it at least that's cutting the 
two things together. I don't even, I mean, I don't think you can you do it with a drone. You mean going to the top of the really tall building? Yes. Yes, that is, part of that is CGI. The, right, the, so. The initial over the camp is beautifully real. Yeah, and then, yeah and that's and then real, exactly. Yeah. And so the fact of them marrying those kind of things, I thought was, from a camera perspective, I was super excited about it. And then I get to this and, you know, literally writing the rundown for this and seeing, oh yeah, it's the guy from Old Boy. Like, there's going to be some, there's a reason why there's some really beautiful stuff in here and you don't really see all that stuff, you know, uh, if, if you're focused on the novelty or, or the thinness of the story and stuff that's there. I think, you know, I know how some of you guys feel about slow motion, but they did this in both the first movie and this movie, but that first setup when they're coming up on the white house and they're doing the slow motion, you know, the big sort of battle scene with the zombies. I liked it better in this movie than what they did in the first movie. Really? And I thought the and I thought the master of puppets music cue was so awesome huh. and powerful. It, like again, that and uh, with my expectations coming to this movie, that really nailed it for me. I loved that stuff. So, from a camera perspective, I was super excited about. This I'm curious movie. about that um, because I my the, the first one. I think they we had shorter cuts of slow motion horror that were higher frame rate uh, captures. Okay. And I really, really liked it. And I found myself saying repeatedly in this movie to myself, self, I wish it were slower. <laughs> I wish I had more right. of that, uh, of that visceral sort of. And they only did it the once. A, 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 yes, it one. was, that was yep. not used enough, but thank God there were 3000% more titles on screen throughout the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people liked, right? They Remember that, that the one title on screen? Peed. That was. I was like, all right. Um, can I? I would like to to just speak to that opening sequence a little bit because yeah. it was such a clear shout out to the first movie, and yeah. and and, all, and and if you're worried that they're gonna just rehash the first movie as we've kind of suggested that they did in many ways. Um, then uh, I don't see any clearer signal that they're going to do that than the way that they treated the opening sequence. Sure. Um, but you know, I, I I think that the whereas that that the 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 way that the opening sequence was treated and, and the title sequence was treated in the first movie was so so richly wonderful and so inventive and so it was it was such a it it was yeah it was it was something everybody talked about. And, and one of the reasons I think everybody talked about it is that it set the tone perfectly for the movie right away. This is going to be a, 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 a an awfully gory, a little terrifying, really hilarious movie. And and that and that is exactly what Zombieland was. Um, and and in in the se- in the second in Double Tap, we have this opening sequence that doesn't communicate much of what the movie is going to be. Um, other than that, these characters are coming back, and we've got more zombies, and it's going to be really violent. And 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 when uh, you know, even down to, and this is maybe sounds a little nitpicking, but um, and they put it in the preview, and this is actually one of the things that raised red flags for me in the preview was that uh, this is so weird to say. I feel weird about saying this, but the <laughs> expressions on our main characters' faces during that sequence were so uninteresting to me that I wondered what was happening. <laughs> I was like, were you guys, were you guys getting direction? Did you have, were you making any decisions or did you just pick a face and then stick with it? They were filming filming the run through. Yeah, Yeah, honestly, it was, it was so, it was so desperately boring. I, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why I wasn't seeing a single interesting choice that whole sequence. And I was wondering, is it just because they were like, look tough 
and shoot guns. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we're yeah. just going to do that for five <laughs> minutes. And it just, it felt like I was like, there's literally nothing for me to watch here. And, yeah. and the, even the gore that I'm seeing is very clearly uh, CG sort of aided. <laughs> so right. I'm right. I, I it just there was really nothing to be interested in. And, and that was it was really challenging. It was it was a it was a disappointing start to a disappointing experience for me. Well, that reminded me a lot of the action. The uh, when Jesse Eisenberg is up on top of the bus, 11 o'clock, two o'clock, five o'clock. It took an idea, ran it into the ground, picked it back up, ran it back into the ground. And then also, yeah, I think maybe it seemed like the director wanted to let his stars just sort of be cool with guns. And it was not interestingly filmed. Yeah. It was a shot. Yeah. It was a cool shot like this, but then a close up on a zombie with the head going off over and over and over and over again. And I didn't particularly like that, the way that that scene was cut, because you want to talk about not having stakes other than the zombie that the, the, what is it? The Hawking that climbed the ladder. There were no, they were never threatened. You never had a sense of distance because of the way it was shot. You never could tell where people were coming from or all that stuff. You talk about the close-ups of the head. Yeah. It's actors. Cool. It's, it's your leads cool with guns and zombies heads exploded. There was no sense of space. That's the one thing. What I liked about the, uh, for all of its misgivings that you guys brought up really good points about the one thing in the Elvis house or the Elvis hotel house, you kind of got a sense of where things were at certain points. This was just nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Pete, I gotta, I gotta have your opinion on something. Mm. Pete, Um, answer the question. Somebody said, somebody said, uh, I'm sorry, not somebody, Tommy, I think it was you who just oh. said <laughs> um, the Hawking. So what do you think of the zombie types? This is I, I this is this is something that I have so many opinions about, but you're the zombie buff. So I really want to hear what you think about the zombie types and the way they were treated in this movie. I I uh, was not a fan of the zombie types. Oh, OK. The Homer had a function. They needed uh, I, I don't understand why they felt like they needed the this, the categorize categorizing zombies in order for comic relief, like calling it a Homer, making doing a whole Simpsons thing. I get it. I really get it. You didn't even need to use the font. I get it. Right. Uh, and, <laughs> and and most importantly, it's so timely. So, <laughs> if there's one right. thing everyone's talking about, it's, it's Homer season Simpson. 35 oh, of boy. Homer Simpson. Yeah. yeah. So I and the fact that that I, I kind of feel like they went through the whole thing. Homer Hawking Ninja T-800 in order to do the final joke of the film that where the Homer runs up the stupid ramp and i was so insulted by that like that's what i was (laughs) waiting for that's why you set me up with hawking and ninja we never saw another ninja after the entire this whole thing was over there was no more ninjas there was no more maybe it was a ninja but it was a ninja that was hiding under the stupid winnebago like that was the (laughs) worst use of a ninja like we had a cool kind of a cool setup as they were walking us through these things they made an allusion to the t-800 and they did not do a very good job of it because I didn't see the T-800 in this and I'm a big fan of the T-800. So if you're going to do a T-800, you better do a GD T-800. <laughs> also, weren't all of the... Uh, so it, it seemed like most of the zombies in Zombieland the first were T-800s because how do you kill a zombie? Remove the head or destroy yes, the brain. They've already <laughs> built learned, the rules. Learned in, yeah. Exactly. So like... So how do you kill a T-800? Well, it looks like you probably got to remove the head or destroy the brain. 
which isn't that just zombies? Yeah. And so, and it, <laughs> no, and there's the a end, lot of chess shots in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It just it felt like, and and to even set all of them up felt so shark jumpy. It was like every from the beginning. It was like they were, and they weren't done either. The beginning, they were like, oh, we got new kinds of zombies. We got the Hawking. We got the Homer. We got the Ninja. It's like, okay, well, fine. Like I'll let I'll give you guys a pass on this. Like you're trying to figure out ways to raise the stakes in this world you already built. You're not yeah, doing a great show me job, what you but got. maybe it'll be funny. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'll give you a chance. And then they don't use it. Fine. It's it's a totally dead setup. Fine. And then they introduce the T-800. It's like, I'm sorry, did you get did you get bored with your first idea? So you decided to come up with a new idea. But guess what? This is a way worse idea. And <laughs> uh, and then at the end, when they try to pay it off, like, oh, look at this swarm of T-800. It's, it's like, those are just zombies. Yeah. This is the exact okay. same sequence so, we saw in the and, first, and in the the first st- movie. Jordan, I mean, you're, you're spot on. I, th- why did they set up with uh, the, this whole thing, this brutish, incredible T-800 that apparently after Woody Harrelson shoots it like a hundred times, the way you actually kill it is simply to step, step on it. Step on its head. Like, that <laughs> is ridiculous. And then at the end, drop a TV on it. Like, okay, we should have been dropping things on these ridiculous uh, things the whole movie long. So I was, I found myself very frustrated by that. I didn't need to know that they had names. I, in in hind, you know hindsight, which was five minutes after the movie started, I was done with the names, and clearly so were they. Again, I, I don't <laughs> want to belabor the point, but it's so important to keep so fresh that the idea of Homer and ninjas... <laughs> Just on the cusp. I mean, just so. I really resonant. Dumb movie was written ten years ago, and I will say that they also addressed that. Right? They said that line is so two thousand nine, and they all laughed. That's just going back to the potentially self awareness point of what they were saying. But see, I think that that's laziness. Yeah, I think that's calling calling yourself out for your laziness in. Your script writing is just sort of saying, uh, you're still using that same line that from the first movie. That doesn't make it better for me. That actually makes it even more insulting of your. Yeah, you're more right than I am in that point. <laughs> oh, for really? sure. I, I didn't mean oh, to, yeah. I didn't no, no, mean no, to I be agree. confrontational, but I just sort of like just pointing out bad writing or dated writing doesn't update it. Right. You just haven't written the next joke. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Homer and Ninja are first draft jokes. <laughs> yes. I I think the the one last one and we got to we got to move on, but I I just the, the other thing that was exhausting. Besides all the other things that are exhausting, it, I I understand after seeing this movie that Woody Harrelson does not like minivans. Are you sure? <laughs> I I thought that there was a lot of conflict. He doesn't. I just want everybody to know that he does not like minivans. No matter how reliable they tend oh, to be. Oh my goodness. This was it yes. was exhausting. Just stop. <laughs> I was I was I will say I was just as disappointed as he was when the RV broke down because I wanted so desperately to be in a new a new scenery and I was like maybe something interesting will happen in this stupid yes. RV that hasn't happened yet and then the RV broke down I was like guess not oh, so guess we're just going to get stuck back in the van I was heartbroken when that that <laughs> yes. happened I was just heartbroken because they used the Winnebago <laughs> for, for the 3 right seconds reasons, I know though. that was the joke like that was the intention of the joke right. yeah. and it was such a waste uh, it's yeah. such that, a waste. That episode of the Zombieland TV yeah. show ended with a sad laugh. Yeah, I it was a sad trombone. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, we could go on and on about all the 
silly novelties or weird joke lines here. If there's anything more that we need to say about this in closing, we can say it here, but I think maybe it might be time for us to rank it. Flick shot the Hobbit. <laughs> Usually when you song? dislike a movie, it gets shorter and shorter. If he dislikes the movie, that's oh. how it works. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Flick chart the Hobbit. That's when I really didn't care for it. <laughs> we've got all the movies we've talked about on this show ranked over at flickchart.com slash TNR film board. Flickchart is a really cool site where you can create a tournament style stack ranking of your movie preferences. So check it out and find out how your film favorites fare against ours. Pete. I'm in. All right. What do we do? All right. Let's, let's fight it. This, fight is, it this is our this is our middle break. Uh, Step on our zombie head. It is Zombieland Double Tap versus Hail Caesar. <laughs> Hail Caesar. Double Tap. Oh, dear. Jordan, what do you think? You're on a deserted island, and all you have is some sort of device and Zombieland or Hail Caesar. Which is it going to be? Well, this is so interesting to me because I'm sorry. I know I should just answer the question, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 this is the first time hearing of flick chart. Okay. And, uh, and also this is the first time hearing that it's like apparently smack dab in the middle of your film of your flick chart is, is hail Caesar. And that's, that's right. a whole other conversation, but <laughs> honestly, uh, any, Don't any Coen me. brothers movie is going to have a trove of delights. Uh, and so even though a hail Caesar is a deeply, broken movie there's a lot of wonderful things in it too and i can't say the same about d- double tap so i yeah i mean sign me Problem up for is, is that we had five guys voting it was mm. a nightmare it was a nightmare I'll I'll tell you that. That. So I, I can't even imagine yeah. <laughs> would that it were so simple that's right it, i am also on board for hail caesar so hail caesar gets right. it and we move on the next one is oh tommy this one's for you <gasps> Zombieland double tap or the hobbit an unexpected journey <laughs> which one is that was that one of the hobbits doesn't matter <laughs> nobody cares yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go with zombie town i'm zombie town as well Jordan? oh yeah and absolutely double tap yeah. okay me too never make me watch the hobbit again please <laughs> oh great <laughs> this works. all right how about this zombieland double tap versus the dark knight rises dark knight rises is that the third one catwoman yes. the dark knight rises for me dark knight rises oh yeah easy okay easy dark, dark knight rises. rises it is Great. And Zombieland Double Tap versus Godzilla 2014. Double Tap. That's hard. <laughs> yes, Brian Cranston. Yes. That's really, yeah, I'm going to go with Double Tap just because I just because I like those people. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That yeah, happens guess, a lot in this in this game. Yeah, this I'm going to go with Double Tap hard. because of Madison. Okay, nice. that'll yeah, be the cool. one. I'm going to go with Double Tap because of Brian Cranston. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Negative. Oh, I know. Wonderful. He was yes. Okay. How about this one? Zombieland double tap Always. versus where'd you go, Bernadette? Double tap. <laughs> right? <laughs> double tap. Double tap. Man. Bernadette, man. Fair enough. Bernadette was a good movie. I'm gonna stick. Well, I'm, yes. I'm on Bernadette. See, I'm on Team Bernadette. Don't, don't be yeah, oh, thank you, yeah. Pete. Don't thank we, you, don't Pete, we for have being like... Yes, unless you change your mind, unless you are swayed by the powers <laughs> of Pete and Peterson. <laughs> Pete no. and Peterson. I Roche. love it. Okay, Tommy, you and Pete, go after it. All right, Thomas, are you ready? How, you how do you play? Go ahead. How do you play Rock, Paper, Scissors? Ask that question. I need to hear that. I need how, to hear you say no, that. No, I know how do you play it, but you count it down and then I do something? Yeah, we just say, just we say Rock, Paper, or Scissors. Wins. There are literally three options. I know, but there was a timing problem. Don't yell at me! Okay, one, uh, ready, ready two, go. three, <laughs> Paper. Rock. 
Christ. Oh, Ooh. double tap wins. <laughs> I feel sick. Where I feel you sick. Heard it, <laughs> there you went. <laughs> there you went, Bernadette. That would be the sequel. <laughs> and there it is. Oh, my goodness, you guys. Zombieland Double Tap is at number 56 on our flick chart. It's right between, I don't know how it ended up between The Equalizer and Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Nice. That sounds accurate for me. What are you going to do? Okay, so I will tell you that now I, so this now going to Letterboxd, I told, I confessed earlier that I was not going to change my star rating based on the conversation, but I lied. No, I didn't lie. My mind was changed. So I dropped it a half a star. I'm going to give it three and a half stars because again, I enjoyed it. It was fun, but I totally understand your guys' points. So for me, it's three and a half. You enjoyed it four stars walking out of the theater? I'm telling you. I was wow. riding high. I should have been That's with real you. butter popcorn out of the living room. Uh, so man, you would have slapped me in the Well, if we were to if we were to go by the algorithm, Flick Chart says yes. that this should be a one and a half star rating on Letterboxd. Ooh, snap. Snap. Right. All right, Tommy, out of five. Uh two and a no like. Jordan, what do you think? I have deep moral issues with star rating systems. I know. So so, so do we, but we've been doing it since two thousand eleven. So we kinda uh, eat it up. Okay. <laughs> Um, we'll, what is it out yep. of five? Five and half points. Um, I think that this is a solid two and a half star movie. Great. I don't know what the like means. Just whether you liked it or not. It. And I think you the way, like I'll, it, so. I'll tell you the way I, I think, think about I uh, uh, the heart. It's the like on Letterboxd is it, it, that calculates for me the guilty pleasure. If it, it, there is such a thing oh, as sure, a one and a half sure. star movie with a heart. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Fair enough. Cool. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to give it a heart because it just didn't have very much fun. Okay, so 2.5 stars, no heart. Uh, I think I'm with Tom. I'm a two star, but it's a generous two star, and I'm not giving it a heart. I'm not giving it a heart. There are only so many hearts to go around, Oh, and I don't want to take a heart from a future better movie. (laughs) Great. Well, where do we go from here? Next month, we are leaving it a little bit open. We did this last month, too, because what we really wanted to do this week, and we weren't able to do because it didn't open wide, was to do Parasite. And that is opening wide next month in this country. So we're going to try to do that if we can get everyone available. That's our idea. That is the weekend of November 8th, 9th, and 10th. That is our plan. We'll see if we can bring it all together because that is something that was brought to us by one of our fantastic uh, listeners in our Discord server. Pete, on the Mothership Show, on the next reel, what are you guys working on? Oh, we're deep in Cronenberg. Uh, Early Cronenberg. Mm. Coming up this week, as you are listening to Zombieland 2... Double tap. We are uh, about to release our show on The Brood, uh, which is just, you know, it's a real testament to the power of therapy. So (laughs) I will leave it at that. We're doing just early Cronenberg right now. So we got The Brood Scanners, Videodrome and Dead Ringers coming up uh, and we wrap out the year, the rest of sort of the balance of November and December with our uh, Steve Martin series. So uh, that's exciting. That's exciting. To some old Steve Martin. I forgot about scanners when I was very young and very sick. My dad rented scanners not knowing what it was when my mom was out of town and we watched it together. And I don't think my mother has ever forgiven him <laughs> uh, because of that one scene. Yeah, that's a win. Someone's head becomes many. Heads. And it's early in the movie. It's early. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. <sighs> okay, Jordan, uh, Nerd Critic, what are you guys working on and where should people learn more about you and your show? Well, uh, anybody can go to nerdcriticpodcast.com. I would say all one word, but people hopefully know how URLs work. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have our, our Zombieland double tap episode coming out on uh, October 25th. Uh, we always release 
uh, an episode about the biggest movie of the previous weekend on cool. Fridays. So uh, we're always a one week behind on purpose. Uh, and then we're going to be on our next, I think our next movie that I'm most excited about that we're going to be covering is Terminator Dark Fate, which uh, oh. people, people hopefully, uh, I mean, I'm I maybe presume too much, but I'm hoping that people are as excited as I am about that. So nice. um, we'll be, we'll also be doing uh, an off the shelf episode uh, running up to that episode, talking about the Terminator franchise at large. Nice. So uh, I, cool. yeah. I, I know we're it I know we're the running first weekend in November. I know we're running a little bit long, but I I have some commentary I need to say uh, uh, oh. for everybody and for Jordan. I first of all <laughs> I adore Nerd Critic. It's a it's a fantastic show, and I think between CJ and Jordan, they uh, you know they they appreciate movies. I think the way we appreciate movies, and so it's just so natural to have this conversation. Uh, you know, and have Jordan join us here, and hopefully CJ one day uh, will get in the rotation. Uh, they just did. A trivia smackdown and Ooh. jordan <laughs> yeah. wrote the questions check me when i start lying jordan jordan wrote the questions for it to pit cj found found, found the questions, the qu- <laughs> found the okay, questions fair, good. My, that's good i i i i have possessed very little of the knowledge that i tested these two they people did, and so he wrote this or he found he uh, originated a quiz <laughs> sourced to, to pit his co-host cj against an incredibly overpowered listener and (laughs) it it was one of the it's one of the best episodes of the podcast like just that both of them go through this incredible roller coaster of just dominance and incredible shame and i was on the edge of my seat i was sitting in a starbucks parking lot i had to go somewhere and i couldn't drive because i was like shaking like uh, like ready to answer the next question so i it is a very current episode uh, in their feed go check out nerd credit if you're movie fans if you're fans of our show what's that episode go check out that uh, it's called the Jordan? Nerd Critic. I think it's called the Nerd Critic Trivia Showdown. Showdown. It's a. It's listed as a bonus episode because it's not technically a main episode. It's not an off the shelf episode. It's just yeah. a thing we did that we liked. Well, yeah. the Nerd Critic Trivia Showdown first annual. Yes, cool. I cannot. Yeah. Yep. I cannot awesome. wait for the second annual already. I'm just saying. <laughs> and due respect to CJ, he did. Uh, he did great. Agreed. Well, I'll check that out because I'm a trivia fanatic, too. So I did. I I sold it a little bit just a moment ago talking about uh, one of our listeners that suggested a show for the film board. But uh, if you have not heard about it, you should uh, go and check us out on Discord. You can check, go to thenextreel.com and let us know that you want to hang out on our server where we gather with our fun film family and discuss lots of remarkable things from throughout the entertainment universe. We chat there uh, about our different shows, too. So come to Discord and interact with us on the internet. You can get there by uh, the Patreon. Don't there. forget that. Patreon.com slash the next reel. That's, where, that's the oh, easiest way to get to Discord. It's just uh, give us your money. that's very good yeah our gang is all there and that's where we keep this conversation going but for this one thanks so much for hanging out with us say farewell jordan peterson uh i guess farewell is the word that i'm saying (laughs) farewell see you soon tommy handsome and good night p right (laughs) squish at the next reel when the movie ends our conversation begins till next
Here on the Film Board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. Thenextreel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and the Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals and get your next read today. (laughs) 